Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth-seeking. I'm your host, Matt Silver, and for episode two, we are excited to bring you this unique topic, marketing a treatment for a disease you have. And to talk about his personal experience, our guest today is Scott Sisti from Accelerate. Scott, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Matt. Scott, you were one of the marketing leads for a product that treats your own disease state. Now, it's not my place to announce your personal diagnosis to the world, so why don't you tell us a little about why you're here today? Sure. So, um, I have type 2 diabetes. Uh, I was diagnosed about six or seven years ago, and for a two-year stretch, uh, I worked on a diabetes um, brand, um, and I was asked to appear just to to talk a little bit about what what that's like. Um, really interesting thing about working in pharmaceutical marketing, and I've had this experience with a with a ton of people over the years, uh, and I've been doing this for 24 years. People, um, there is a, a, a segment of people who work on disease states that wind up being convinced that they have that disease, no matter what it is that they work on. Um, and and uh, you see this kind of phenomenon where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have that, and people have this anxiety around it. And so to to actually have a disease that you work on, there's this there's a huge pro and a huge con. There's a huge pro that starts with the the pitch process. Uh, you're in the room and you're you're pitching for a piece of business, and you have somebody in the room who is a, a potential uh, patient or consumer or user of a product. Uh, so they're able to speak sort of in that first person and and provide insights into what the what a cons- uh, a customer is going through. It's tremendously valuable to the agency and to the brand as well. Um, but the you know the the con is is um, the the level of detail and the level of uh, of involvement you wind up having as a as a patient can be a little bit uh, overwhelming and and sort of disconcerting. So two questions about that, Scott. Did you actually announce in the pitch that you you had type two diabetes? Yeah, it's actually it's it's a it's a funny story in. In pitch rehearsals, we had uh, the the head of strategy come in, you know, uh, several days into rehearsals, and um, and I, I said something I don't remember what it was, and and she questioned it, and then somebody said our president at the time said, oh, you know, Scott actually has uh, diabetes, and her response was like, oh, cool, and then it was like cool. everybody everybody paused for a second, like, no, no, not not cool that you have diabetes, very cool that you have an in depth understanding of diabetes. Um, they, and, they actually uh, backtracked um, from a customer's perspective. And to your, to your original question, I did actually announce it during introduction. So it was um, uh, Scott, uh, my whatever my title was at the time, and I'm a, a type two diabetes, and I have type two diabetes. So here's the other question. People with any disease generally don't like having to think about it all the time. Uh, and yet thinking about diabetes was your entire job. So did it ever feel like you were taking your work home with you? Yeah. So the, the thing about having diabetes is it's it's a 24-7 disease. Um, you know, you, 
the average person makes somewhere between 30 and 35,000 decisions a day. Nearly every single one of those decisions impacts your 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 uh, your diabetes and, and your numbers. So so it's a 24/7 gig to begin with. Uh, it's like it's like having a it's like having a second job that you didn't ask for that has no days off. Um, so so there's uh, no, it didn't feel like I was oh, taking it home with me because it's it's a it's a part of who I am. It's intrinsic to to everything that I do. Every you know every decision I make, every 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 meal, every choice, um, all day long, every day. The the thing that I the thing that I probably took home that wouldn't have been present not working on um, a brand related to my disease is the in-depth market research results, right? So I'm, I, I'm fortunate to be, uh, well-controlled and my numbers are good and, and I'm managing my disease. Um, listening to the stories of people who, who aren't doing as well, or looking at the data and seeing how it's, um, uh, you know, how over time it's, it's going to get worse, no matter how good you do. Some of those realities, uh, th those would linger past past work hours. Um, you know, I think you, not having the disease, you're able to kind of shut that off when your work day ends. But ha having that disease, um, th those would kind of stay with me. I do think, though, that seeing that and and being exposed to to so much research and so and results and and looking at at how other people are managing actually helped me manage mine better um you know in two ways one to see like listen if you don't get this under control and if you don't manage it this is where you're headed this is how uh this is how it's going to progress um and then, you know, uh, looking at um, when when people are, are doing well on um, uh, managing their disease, what are the things that they're doing that were were helping them? And so, the market research was was actually while it was uh, put a, uh, there was an impression and a, a lasting impression on me, uh, and sometimes some some really dark cloudy moments in there. I, I do also think that it that it really helped me get a better handle on my disease. Was there ever a time where your personal experiences or assumptions did not match up with what you heard from other patients or even doctors in market research? Yeah, all the time. And, and, and in particular from the client side, right? Like I, I would say something in a conversation in a meeting and, and uh, our original lead client in particular would, would like laugh and scoff and be like, yeah, but you're, you're an N of one, right? You're not, you're not you're probably not our target patient. You're not a typical patient because you are, you know, you are managing it. And that's it's really the reality of, of type two diabetes. It is by and large um, a lifestyle disease. Uh, I, there's a genetic component to mine. Um, it's, it's run in my family. It's something that I got tested for every year, uh, almost in like anticipation of it, an expectation that I, certainly I was a candidate for it. Um, so when I got it, it, there, it wasn't really a surprise. Um, but, but I, you know, the, the lifestyle part of it was, was, uh, was easy for me because I was kind of already taking care of myself and I just needed to do these little tweaks and modifications. And so because it wasn't brought on by, um, you know, uh, decades of, of poor lifestyle choices and, and um, you know, uh, the years of the doctor telling me I need you to, you know, to eat better and to lose weight and to take care of yourself and to exercise. Um, 
because I didn't I didn't kind of have that burden for for it was I want to say easier for me, but it was probably a little bit easier for me because I didn't need to make the kind of wholesale changes that that a, a type two uh, person with t- a type two has to make when they're it's typically diagnosed a little bit later in life when you're locked into your patterns and behaviors. And, and as you get older, those are so much tougher to change. So for me, because it wasn't this huge change, I didn't have to completely do a 180 from every every way I was already approaching my life. Um, I was able to make make just better choices um, on, a, on a sort of daily basis, um, meal to meal. And so um so mine is under control long story longer most patients aren't and the reason why you have these therapies and these treatments is because um people need um need additional uh, additional medications or therapies to manage their disease and so when i'm in a room and i say like yeah but and then then everybody looks at me like but it's not it's not for you right what you're talking about is people who are people who are actively struggling that's interesting because your own level of treatment engagement is very different than that of your target audience. Yeah, I mean, I you know we started the conversations, um, uh, you know, initially when we when we first started working on the brand, I I spent a lot of time um, just explaining the what it's like to have it to to the team um, because I think. Listen, there's there's no way around this. There's a huge benefit to to having someone on a team who has the actual disease that you're treating. Like that's that's just that's obvious. But some of the ways that you know when you're um, and especially in the in the kind of work that that we do, right? This you know the idea of uh, engagement or experience strategy and trying to understand the 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 end customer and what their goals are and what their motivations are and what their challenges and barriers are to have somebody that actually ex- experiences those versus having it come you know anecdotally or as conjecture as hypothesis um, there's tremendous value to that so there were there were terms or or approaches or just conversations around the disease state that I can have um, with with my team. Um, and give them like a, just a deeper insight into you know what that's like or or what that person is going through or why they're feeling that way. You know, one of the things I uh, I did early on is when your blood sugar goes extremely low, um, it's it's hypoglycemia and it's and it's extremely dangerous um, to the point where you know un, an uncontrolled individual, in particular type one could drop so low that they could, you know, there could be hospitalization, even coma, or even potentially death. So, so it's, a, it's a very serious topic. I've had a couple of hypoglycemic um, experiences in my life, and they were absolutely horrific. And, and I was able to, um, like, articulate what that, what that felt like um, in communications to the team, because we talked about hypos a lot as a brand, and how dangerous they were, but it's just a word, right? It's just, it's just, it, it's just a word that the team hears, and and then you hear, yeah, yeah, it's super dangerous, and yeah, yeah, it's really terrible, and yeah, you want to avoid them. But for me to be able to provide some context around it and go, listen, this is what I experienced, and I'm only telling you the parts that I can remember because there are parts of that experience that I that I cannot remember because that's the severity of of a, of a hypo on your system. So I'm glad you brought that up, Scott, because I found an email that you wrote two years ago, if you can believe it was two years ago, um, to about 50 of your colleagues with the subject line, a boy in his hypo. And uh, it was basically recounting the story of a pretty severe hypoglycemic event 
you'd had the night before. Um, what made you decide to publicly share something like that? I I think that the impetus for that was actually the uh, a conversation about like hypo would come up in in uh, in a conversation the next day, um, and I I it's a long two years is a long time ago. Uh, I don't remember what the but somebody somebody asked a question about it and I had explained it live in the in the conversation. And then when I got back to my my office, I was thinking, you know, there's probably a better there's probably a better, more thorough way to to explain that. And I and I think the way to do that is to is to share a personal experience. I, I also um, I sent that over to the the client um, as well to to share out as they saw fit to to the team because the same struggle on their end, you know, they. Certainly, they had a significant number of people working on this brand that that also had type one or type two diabetes. Um, but uh, you know, uh, again, hypo. Unless you experience one, it's it's just it's just a, it's just a word. It's just some it's just something that somebody else warns you about until you experience it for yourself or or have someone. And I, full transparency, Matt, I was I was leaning in a little bit on. Um, I'm sending this to to to. I think at least a at least a small percentage of these 50 people care about me. And so I was leaning in a little bit on like, I, I have a personal connection with these people. And maybe if, if it's coming from me versus uh, like this, an anonymous source, um, they'll, they'll feel a, a greater connection to, to what that feels like for somebody. Yeah. Very well said. Um, what kind of response did you get from, from both your colleagues and your clients? Super, super gracious and, uh, and, and heartwarming. Like, uh, and also, um, uh, you, you know, like I, a couple of, uh, I, you know, I had no idea and that, wow, that sounds, uh, you know, terrifying and, and thank you. And, 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 uh, and yeah, I, I didn't, I thought I understood, but I didn't. And now I do. So it was, um, uh, it was a good response. You know, the, one of the things about type two diabetes is it, it, because again, it's primarily this lifestyle disease. It comes with all these different uh, stigmas, and 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 a lot of type two patients don't um, don't want to talk about it and don't want to um, don't want to admit it or or bring or be public about it because they're they're you know they're ostracized and 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 um and it and it comes with like well yeah well you know yeah of course of course you do you don't you don't take care of yourself or well yeah you brought it on yourself and and. Uh, we overlook that even even people with those lifestyle issues or that lifestyle drove disease uh, manifesting, um, there there are still potential genetic components to that, right? They're, they're discovering genetic components to obesity. There there may be some other underlying um, condition, maybe something else that's driving towards it. And so it can't just be this blanket statement where it's like, well, it's your fault. You have it. It's your fault. Um, but I, I think for for me. Um, I, I don't have I don't have any like it's it it is it's not it doesn't define me but it's it's not a part of me that I can separate from myself like it is it is part and parcel for for who I am you know I'm you know I'm I'm in my I'm in my fifties I'm I'm bald I have diabetes I've been doing this for twenty there are just some things about me that could just come with me and so I don't I don't see it as like a thing that um, that I, you know, that I, that I should be uh, private about or uh, concerned about. A, a lot of times, um, it's easier for me to just 
let someone let someone know I have it, then then deal with some of the other things that come with it, which is like you know offering me food that I that I cannot eat, and then um, and then not understanding you know like why or or uh, or judging you know what I'm ordering, um, and not, it, it just it just comes with these other things. And for me, it's just easier to be like, well, yeah, I have type two I have type two diabetes, and that that comes with a whole you know a whole slew of uh, of decisions and and uh, and and um, and things that I need to do over the course of the day. I, I think you've probably heard me say this a bunch of times. Th- this is very much a um, a willpower disease. Um, it's you know, like you're you're gonna make you're gonna make mistakes. That's gonna happen. It's it's all about like how you respond to the mistake, um, and and then putting the mistake behind you, and then and then like the next every next decision is another opportunity to make a good decision. And if you make a bad one, well, then the very next one is still an opportunity to make a good decision. And I think when we were working on that brand um, in particular, that that was something that I think served us well trying to, you know, map out what, what that, what that experience needed to be, right. The, the idea that we need to figure out a way to articulate to these, to these uh, patients um, that, yeah, it's cool. You're, you're human and you're going to make a mistake. Just, just move on. Um, Here's a thing that can, you know, that can support you in, in that effort. So you're you're kind of circling this now, and it makes me curious. Is there anything in particular in your work, looking back, that you can point to and say that your personal experience with the diabetes left a mark on this work? So that, in other words, um, if I, Scott Sisti, had not had diabetes when I worked on this, this work would not have had this or done this or thought about this this way. That I mean, that's a that's a super tough question. Thanks for asking it. Um, uh, I you know it, well, it's 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 hard it's hard to I'd like to think of myself as a a little more uh, humble than this, but it, it's hard it's hard to to think that um, there wasn't a tremendous impact to to the way we approached that business based on our understanding of the disease state. And it's it's hard not to it's hard not to connect our understanding of the disease state directly to having one you know one of the leads on the business um, yeah. an actual patient. I think that I mean that's that's just a it just it feels like a natural correlation. I don't I don't think that that's I don't think that that's necessarily because of who who I am. I think the connection is more um, and would be on really on any any work that you know any brand that you had where you again had a had someone who had the actual disease you're treating on your team that could you know that could say like hey, but that's not that's not how that's really not how we behave or that's not really how we think or that's not really how we perceive it um i think one of the other things too is i i've noticed this um over time is anecdotally i'm because i have really um you know a, a manageable but essentially, you know, uncurable chronic disease that that will be with me for the balance of my life. There are also some experiences that translate to other brands that I worked on or other disease states. And so just like as an example, um, the conversation today about uh, uh, dosing modifications and and the impact of it. And um, the response was a little 
uh, was a little softer than I than I thought it should be. So I said, listen, again, anecdotally, I, I, you know, my because my diabetes is under control. The last probably three visits with my endo, she's talked about, you know, we're gonna at some point let's consider maybe lowering your your dose or changing your medication. And you would you would think from the outside you go like, wow, that sounds that sounds great. That's cool. You must be so excited. But the reality of it is, um, my my medication is my partner in, in managing my disease. And so when you say you're going to, you're going to lower my dose, I, I, I'm hit with like a massive amount of anxiety around that because like I have a, I, I have a reliance on that pill to help me manage my disease. It helps my body do some things that my body isn't able to do on its own. And so it's, it's, it's supplemental to my, to my own, you know, biology. And so when you say you're going to lower it, um, I, man, that, that makes me anxious. And now if you elevate it to a more serious disease state, um, you, you have to, you have to extrapolate that to, well, if someone thinks that a, a certain dose is the dose that they require, but you're going to modify that down, that that's going to generate, you know, some, some ma- a massive swirl of, of emotion in that person, um, you know, when they hear that. So to that point, Scott, does it does it make you more passionate to be able to say, you know, I understand what it's like to have a chronic disease and I'm going to be able to help other people deal with it? Or does it make you more frustrated that a lot of people are not as engaged uh, or don't understand it in the same way that you do or all of the above? I mean, for the for the um, the, the diabetes work. Um, there, there were admittedly, and uh, there were like a ton of extremely sad moments uh, over the course of that work. Either, um, you know, lo- looking at the looking at the research or hearing the research, or, or even, you know, in instances meeting the people and listening to their stories, and just, um, you know, wanting to be able to to transfer like the 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 successful ways to manage it over to them, like if you could treat a disease by osmosis, like, like there, you know, there are some moments where you just, you know, just kind of break my heart. Um, but also, you know, make me very grateful for, for the way that, you know, that I'm managing it and, um, and use that, you know, you know, there's a helplessness to it, Matt, because I think, um, I think this is an eminently, you know, manageable disease, but, but it just, it, it really takes back to, you know, one of the first questions, it really does take like a 24 seven diligence on your part. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in recognizing that, you know, you don't, you don't have to be, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to work really hard, but that, that work is, is on you. Right. And so, um, Again, while while the medication helps me, um, because I'm on I'm on an oral medication, um, I do need to manage it by you know e- eating the right things and and at the right time and in the right combinations and you know and moving around. And so um, if I didn't do those things, the 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 pill the pill wouldn't help. That's um, that's extremely insightful. Uh, I really like that answer. So I actually think that's a good place to close the talk about diabetes in particular. Um, you've talked a lot about what it is that you do and customer experience and experience strategy. You've actually had some 
some distinctive titles in the past few years alone. Your title has been listed as Customer Experience Architect, VP of Customer Engagement, and now at Accelerate, you are the Experience Strategy Director. Can you give us a quick glimpse into what you do? Sure. Um, so the I think the simplest way to explain it, or the actually I don't know if this is the simplest way, but this is the way that I typically explain it is, um, you know, if the if the thing in the in in the center is a um, is a is a product, it's a it's a resource, it's a it's a drug, it's a therapy, whatever it is, that's the the product that's in the middle. On the left side of it is your is your brand strategist, and they're helping the they're helping the brand. Um, uh, you know, d- define th- their their goals and their objectives and and their personality. You know what their motivation is and what is it that they want to achieve. Uh, then you've got the thing in the middle, and then on the other side of the thing in the middle is the is the customer, and that could be that could be the patient, it could be the caregiver, it could be the the HCP, uh, it could be the rep, um, and that person also has. Uh, objectives and and goals and motivations and the reality is those may not align with the the brands and so if the brand strategist is on the the one side of of that whatever's in the in the center the for me the experience or engagement strategist is on is on the other side uh trying to understand what it is that that customer wants and needs um and and if that person is capable of aligning with the with those goals and objectives and then and then everybody is successful because um you know it's not it's not 1950 so it you you don't just you don't just market at people uh, and in particular in in 2020 as we're you know uh, working remotely and 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 you know still in some pseudo quarantine and social distancing et cetera, et cetera, um it is all the more important for us to think about uh, what it is that our customers are going through, not just in the context of their disease, but in the context of their lives. We have, um, you know, you, you 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 look at a doctor and you're like, well, you just message to a doctor and go, yeah, but but doctors are are people before they're doctors, right? So they've got some, you know, they've got these new, they they've had to change the way that they they treat. Uh, they've had um, modified protocols at their office. They're they're seeing fewer people. They've they've shifted over to to telehealth. They're seeing fewer reps. Face to face has gone away. And so, you know, looking at those those folks and going, um, hey guys, here's what here's what they want and need. And so so maybe this is less about what it is that you want to say as a brand and more about what it is that they need to hear. And also in particular. Um, how it is that that we can support them as brands um, in in this in the the new the new ways that we're we're living and the, and all of the new things that they that they you know want and and need um, I, you know I, I you know I think you're probably seeing a lot of these same things but the um, you know we've been talking about um, the importance of MPP for as long as I've been doing this and and uh, you know something like COVID just doesn't uncover that it just hastens it and and shows industries like pharma um you know kind of how behind they are um already and and so you know the the movement towards you know very you know the on-demand content and you know all the all the buzzwords that we're we're all throwing around like um you know bite-sized and snackable and approachable and all those things like that that's where everything is moving towards because people 
didn't have time um, a year ago. They have even less time now. People had lower attention span, you know, low attention spans a year ago. They have even, you know, shorter attention spans now. You, you think about uh, even, you know, congresses, and and we used to say, um, hey, come spend a couple of days with us and and visit all these different booths and come into all these working sessions. Um, and and now we're like, listen, if you have a couple minutes this afternoon, maybe you can stop by and take a look at this, you know, virtual congress that we set up. And and so the the that the the expectations need to shift as people have have you know the the evolution of the of the face to face engagement has changed and as well as just the the way that people um, are engaging with content now. And back to your original question, I think it's I think that's the the role of experience or engagement strategies to, is to understand how those things are changing, how that landscape is shifting, and and how it is that we're supposed to to react to it. At the end of the day, I think my job is is to protect the 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 customer and and try to make sure that if this is a thing that is in their best interest and good for them, that we're 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 able to communicate to them in the ways that they need to be communicated to 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 help them achieve you know their goal and objective. So Scott, clearly this is a topic that deserves its own episode. I know the producers who are listening are thinking the exact same thing. And I I love what you said about it's not just marketing at people, um, because people are asking me all the time what engagement strategy is. And I think that's the point that I'm always trying to get to, that in the, um, you know, advertising used to be uh, an art director and a copywriter going out for coffee and coming up with a campaign. And uh, the campaign had to do the heavy lift, right? It, it would go across all the usual channels of a TV spot and a journal ad and a billboard, and that was it. Um, that was as far as engagement strategy went. Whereas now, I feel like, and people are going to be mad at me for saying this, I think that engagement strategy has to do the heavy lift and the campaign is not as important anymore. There are a million different ways that you can get in touch with a customer and make sure they have the right experience with a brand that makes the brand more competitive rather than uh, it being all about the campaign. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And and uh, and yeah, you're right. I mean, we we could certainly we could we'd be and happily do do a full podcast on on engagement and experience strategy. I think I think there's just two quick points. The first is before it was a copywriter and an art director, it was just a copywriter and and then they would just pass that off and the art director would would work from from what so the, the art director was less of an art director than just uh, the creative side of that and, and copy was doing the bulk of the heavy lift. Um, the you know the the other piece is um, um, I think you know the that technology um, has now become a, a huge part of whatever that whatever your core disciplines are um, because the the mechanism that you're using to to bring the message um, has to leverage technology these days. And I think to your point, it, it does become uh, very much about the, the message and the, and the campaign. The campaign is important. Like, like I don't, I don't want to upset anybody that's listening to this, that, that, you know, that, um, that thinks that we're saying like the campaign is important. The campaign is important. Um, it's, it's the, it's an identity. It's, it's recognition of the brand. It's defining a brand. It's, it's, um, 
uh, it's like the you know the uh, the uh, encapsulation or the distillation of the of the personality. So it's tremendously important. But it, it's also important that it that it be used and leveraged the right way in the context mm-hmm. of of the engagement, um, because a campaign on its own uh, is isn't a thing that moves the moves the needle. It's in conjunction with uh, how it's being used and how it's being leveraged and uh, and and how it's recognized. Um, in the context of the of the actual engagement. Yep, well said. All right, so let's put a pin in this conversation. I think, Scott, we're gonna have to have you on again to talk about this more. Um, we are uh, out of time. I have one final question for you. I wanted to get a little bit more personal because this has been a, a pretty serious topic today. Um, according to our research, you are a huge fan of Marvel and Star Wars. And of course, Scott, by according to our I mean the the t-shirts you wear daily. Uh, So here's one final question for you before we close out the episode. Who, in your opinion, would win in a fight between Darth Vader and Iron Man? Cite your sources. (laughs) I think think it depends on uh, which Darth Vader. If it is uh, episode four, uh, Darth Vader versus obi-wan kenobi darth vader then i think iron man cleans the floor with him if it's the uh end of uh rogue one uh darth vader then uh i think darth vader comes out on top i think that's very fair fair and balanced um all right scott thank you again for joining the podcast today and speaking publicly about something so personal we really appreciate it thanks for having me matt i i I appreciate you uh inviting me on That's all we've got for today. To our listeners, if you're interested in being a guest or you have an idea for a future episode of the Truth Wellspoken podcast, please send an email to podcast at mccann.com. Also consider subscribing to us on your podcast network of choice. Until next time, I'm Matt Silver, and this has been Truth Wellspoken. Spoken.